Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I feel like on Friday we all lived in fear of one of those low total chases at the end of a test match. And when Usman Khawaja went off the second ball, I wonder how many of us were thinking... Oh, I've seen this before. Travis Head, though, was quite brilliant. It was a superb performance from Australia. So two Mondays ago, we were burning down the house of Australian cricket. I do hope there's the same level of enthusiasm to admire and praise what was done at Indoor. You're welcome to join our conversation as we go. one 736 736 I've been looking forward all weekend to having this chat with Robert Craddock. But before we get to what happened in cricket, we must acknowledge what transpired in Queensland yesterday. The new football team in the NRL is the Dolphins. You'll well know that Wayne Bennett is the coach. And if there's one man who could, against all expectation, it would be Bennett. And so it was. They were first up victors over the Sydney Roosters 28-18. to And here was the grizzled old wily genius at the end. Yeah, of course it compares. I mean, you know, the Broncos were game one, the Dolphins are game one. Uh, we played manly that day. You know, no one gave us a chance. No one gave us a chance here much today. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terribly significant. I mean, one of the most difficult things is to is to get that first win because it just settles everything down. And, um, so a loss here today would have put us under a hell of a lot more pressure and a loss back 36 years ago would have done exactly the same to the Broncos. Are you still looking for me? <laughs> hey? Well, I went to Cairns. You're looking for me, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure I want to answer your question, mate, because you haven't had the decency to wing me about it. So, Wayne, well, you made me a headline over it, but, you know, because you, you, you yeah, well, no, because you, you didn't bother to ask me where I was, and you went on your little trip and had your say. Well, you know. You can't just give it, mate, and not take it. <laughs> the give and take of a Wayne Bennett press conference, that, that's that been a special category for a long time in rugby league, and it's it's right back in front of us. Robert Craddock was there. Hello to your Crash. Yeah. Oh, you have to laugh. It has, Wayne hasn't changed for 40 years, and that was Travis May, my workmate. He's a terrific uh, journalist who, when Wayne Bennett didn't attend the North Queensland uh, one of their trial matches in North Queensland, he wrote the story. He did text Wayne and say, Wayne, where are you? I'm trying to find out. And Wayne didn't reply. But Jesse can be nulled and they're always a bit of fun. He has a go at everyone. I, I remember once they were doing a story on the Broncos game plan and I said, I rang him up and said, can I just get you to talk through your game plan? He goes, what do you think I'm an idiot or something? <laughs> <laughs> but but, but this, is the, this is the fun of the, the rugby league. It's a bushfire that burns every day, Jared, and these... But what a, what a performance. I mean, Wayne Bennett is 73 years old. He is two years younger than Kevin Sheedy. He's been coaching nonstop since the mid-70s. How can you possibly be handed a team at 450 days to get a team ready for the competition? And in the first round, you have beaten the oldest team in the competition who are 115 years old. 
It's extraordinary. It really is. You, but he gets teams. He relates to twenty-year-olds, thirty-year-olds. I don't know how he does it, Jared. I've got no idea. He's not on social media. He thinks Twitter's for the birds, <laughs> um, and, and yet he relates and he gets inside people's souls. You know, it's it's incredible. I, Friday, I just went into someone at a coffee shop who said Friday night. This is just a couple of nights ago. He was guest speaker at their school dinner. And I said, how was he? And they said, oh, loose as a goose. And they said, you, you've got the big game, son. They said, yeah, but I've done what I've done. I'm not sweating it. And he just relaxes between times. And I think the team relaxes with him. How unlikely was it, Crash, that they would win yesterday? Well, there were $7 chances, you know. But what he did do, Bennett, was he bought a team of old sweats. You know, guys like... The magnificent Felice Cafusi from the Melbourne Storm, who was sort of in everyone's shadow at Melbourne Storm. He was the first player Bennett signed. And then there was a gap between the second. So he was ringing up Bennett saying, oh, mate, we're sweet. And Bennett was saying, oh, even not, mate, if it gets desperate, I'll pull on the gear, you know. And, and he was joking <laughs> to keep Felice relaxed. But they signed, a, a, you know, five forwards over 30 for a here and now team to hold their ground for the first couple of seasons. But it was a shock. It really was, honestly. But here's the thing, Jared, and, and I know a lot of AFL coaches listen to your show and if they said, is there anything to be taken out of it from a coaching perspective? All I, I don't know coaching, but all I can say is this. Phil Gould, the master coach, has the definitive quote on playing against Wayne Bennett's teams. He said, I played against him for two decades, coached against him. He never once surprised me. There was never funky tactics. And he said, I knew exactly what I would get. They would be fit, they would defend well, and they would play for each other and there'd be no trick shots. And he said, and yet for all that, even though I knew everything was coming, I only beat him 50% of the time. Yes. I, I just couldn't get around him. And Trent Robinson said the same thing yesterday from the Roosters. He said, not one thing that happened surprised me, but we just got overwhelmed by their effort and their commitment. And even when there was a blue, they jumped in and supported each other. It was, Jared, the whole shape of Queensland Rugby League changed last night because... The Broncos, who've owned the territory since 1988, suddenly have a rival who are up in the saddle and they want their fans, their sponsors. It's, it's wonderful. It'll be, it's Port Adelaide v the Crows. That's what it is. Yeah, as, there's nothing quite like the, the new team winning first up. It, it happens from time to time. And it was, I, so I'd, been, I, I'd read enough and seen enough to think, okay, so new team, but they're going to get walloped here. And then the further it went, you go, oh, no, this is happening. And well, this is happening. Jared, when you played the, the, your recording of Bennett there, when he said he compared it to the Broncos game, for people who don't know, the Broncos flogged Manly, I think it was 42-8, in their first game in 1988 when Bennett was coaching the Broncos. And both games, yesterday's defeat of the Roosters, were similar mindsets, as in the new team motivated beyond belief. This was their grand final. They wanted to make a statement. And the uh, highly ranked opponents coming into town, just, I'm not saying complacent, but I'm just saying not at the same motivational pitch. Yeah. Everyone had tipped them to win. They were $1.05 with the bookies. And they had nothing. They had no reason to hate that it's not a that the local team. I mean, you know, they 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 hadn't know much about them. So they just weren't at the same level of desperation. It happened in 1988 with Manly. It happened yesterday with the Roosters. It's a study of the human psychology of sport. How you just float in 
And, and they, it'd be fascinating to see how the Dolphins go this weekend at home against Canberra when they've got to get up again. Yep, yep. But they're underway. They're underway and they've got an identity. And Wayne Bennett has been that for them from the start. All right, our cricket conversation crash. I've been so looking forward to this. The lines are open because I am curious. There's a bit of a social study. You're all happy to ring in and burn the house down, but now that you've seen Australia win in the manner that they did, I wonder if you're as vocal today. one 736 the open line for EFS delivering simple freight solutions. So Australia was brilliant in indoor crash, and I think when it's all against you, so coming off bitter disappointments, the conditions contrived to further inflict pain and misery that's when you learn the worth of a team that's when you you realize its character there was nothing settled about the australian setup after delhi players in and players out but something happened within that group which tells you about the leadership the stoicism and the true character of it and they play outplayed india from the very first ball of that test match they did, and Jared, one of our greatest ever victories. I mean, let's go back to after the first over, where Australia had lost the toss. They were bowling. They'd won the previous eight tosses. They lost that one. They were bowling. Pat Cummins wasn't there. And in the first over, they had two reviews against Rohit Sharma, which would have dismissed him and didn't take him. It was misery. Honestly, I felt at that point they were 20 to 1 chances to win the test, and they won it. And there were so many great threads out of it. Like, But it just proved again to me the sadness of the fact that they snatched at it early yeah. and went there late and weren't prepared. And I remember Ian Healy said after the second test, in, in a typical heel sort of way, you know the thing that gets me? I reckon after this little break, we'll be ready to go now after two tests, two tests down. And that's what it was. They had some lovely, quiet time together. They knew Ashman and all his lines. They knew what Jadeja was bowling. And there is one uh, simple statement that must be made about this test. When India overcooked their spinning decks to the nth degree and make them complete nightmare lottery decks, that's when Australia is at their most dangerous. And if you're looking at footage of what's coming up in Ahmedabad on Thursday and you see a nightmare deck, have a little cheer for Australia because that, that suits them. Because anyone can get wickets. Like, uh, I don't say that dismissively, but it brings everyone into play. It's the in-between wickets that India crave. The one where their spinners have got a slight edge. But as Bharat Sundaraisen has been saying to me for years, India's batsmen on savage turning decks do no better than a lot of other nations. They, they, if a ball turns and kicks, it turns and kicks, whether you're Rohit Sharma or whether you're, you know, a, a, a visitor. So, yeah, that brought the Aussies into play. Typically, the assessment of a pitch comes a couple of days later. I thought it was instructive that the ICC, who are not the most proactive sporting organisation in the world, couldn't... They, they were gagging to get... Chris Broad's quotes as the as the match referee out there and and publicise their rating of poor. Yeah, they were. But you know what? I, I've got to say, and Jared, you know the sentence that's coming, don't you? <laughs> I love dodgy dicks. Yes. And I just think Broad probably had to say that. But I just ask people two questions when they bag it: A, did you watch it? B, did you enjoy it? And, you know, it was compelling cricket. I know it was, it was, but cricket, those decks will never destroy cricket. No, 
if Test cricket lives for another 40 years or if it dies, it won't be because of decks like that, because it's action all the way. I've never seen... I walked into our newsroom when Australia needed 75 on the last morning uh, and there was just people huddled around television sets and, and there was a collective groan when Usman Khawaja yes. went out. I mean, that's captivating cricket, you know? It is, and and as Steve Smith noted, every ball is an event uh, yep. in India and in that sort of test match. And it is better than – so I remember we watched the first test in Pakistan, which went for five days, and if that was test cricket, it would be it would be stone dead within a year. So if you've got the choice of one or the other, you will take the dodgy deck over the, the pitch that simply won't allow a result no matter how many days you play. But there is something there is something wrong with – with the way that that presented in the first over. Mm. Um, and there's not really... So in I, I made the reference on Friday or Thursday when you were watching the curator in the Indian tracksuit being led <laughs> up and down the pitch by the coach. I, I'd, I'd like to know his whereabouts today, the curator of indoor. I'd just like a little welfare check on him. Well, he prepared three decks and they actually picked one, didn't they? Mm. But I was so pleased for Nathan Lyon to get a 10-wicket haul because, you know, and all these lovely stats that are coming out about him being one wicket behind Derek Underwood as the leading overseas spin bowler uh, in India. And it just reminded me, Jared, of uh, there was a terrific quote from Stuart Broad before the last Ashes and he said, do you know what? He said, I'm sick and tired of us at team meetings saying, and then, of course, Nathan Lyon, you know, Lyon bowls what he bowls, you know. No, 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 he doesn't. He's better than that. And we underrate him every series, and he takes these 20 wickets at 29, and they make the difference. He said, we've got to start treating Lyon as an exquisitely good bowler, you know. And, and I just feel that Rohit Sharma at the end of the test said that he feels he's the you know, best overseas bowler he's faced in India, which I thought was terrific. But there's no doubt Lyon, he just slips under people's guards, hasn't he? And to come up to a stage now where he's about to play his 100th test in a row, wow-wee. I mean, that's extraordinary. Since he was dropped for Ashton Agar 10 years ago, I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a stat. Let's work some of your calls into our conversation. There's a whole lot of threads to pull from this match. The captaincy of Steve Smith, the opening prospects of Travis Head, the leadership of Andrew McDonald in that coach's position, all the stuff that had been referenced previously, and, and here it is before us. Runga is in Clayton. Runga, welcome. Just try there. Let's try Danny and Torquay and then see if we can get Runga back. Danny, welcome. Yes, g'day. How you going, boys? Very well. well. Good, Danny. That's good. Um, just a couple of things on the cricket that I was impressed about. The first one was um, it was an awful pitch, but um, every interview with the Australian side, no one used that at all. They just um, said, no, that's not part of it. That's not what we're here for. We're here to play cricket. And um, they went on and done it. So I was really impressed with that. And um, the other one was, um, mate, I, even though it's a bad pitch, I was so excited on the last day. I finished work, turned on SEN, and... Um, uh, they were one out, and um, I thought, geez, you can go anyway. And um, they bowled so well at the start. And um, Travis said, come through with the, with the chocolates, mate. It was a great game to watch. Yes, Danny. It's interesting, isn't it? And, uh, Danny, you, you mentioned Travis Head. I'm so interested to see what you do with him in England. Do you throw him in the face of baseball, a baseball opening the bowling, Jared, Or 
do you follow the advice of Michael Vaughan, who said that after 30 overs in England, the Duke's ball stopped swinging and Travis just might be a, a magnificent decimator of, of, of the old ball. So I, I, I'm actually thinking he may stay down the list. Uh, he, they may move him back down the list, but it's a tough one, isn't it? Well, it's how you deploy your sharpest weapon. I can absolutely see him opening long-term in Australia. But I yep. do have this, I have the slight leaning is for this Ashes series in England, I would keep him at five as the, I mean, he, he can jackknife the course of a test match so quickly. Yep. And yes, I think long-term he will do that at the top of the order. And maybe I'm not being adventurous enough, but I, I think in England I would sit him at five and then move him to the top of the order in the Australian summer. Mm. And, and it's, a, it's a good point. And, and uh, just on Danny's other point about Australia, you know, just not whinging and getting on with it. I think, even though he's not there, Pat Cummins's line about embracing the chaos, they actually end up doing that. Um, you know, that, that they just... You can't go to India and start whinging about pitches and the, the instant you do, you're gone. And, and I think they just accepted it. They got on with life. And uh, it's funny, Jerry. we started the show with the Dolphins... And they haven't whinged about anything. They got no money to help them in the competition. They had a million knockbacks from players, and they just refused to whinge about it. And yep. I, gee, I think it's it's set them in good stead. Yep. Let other your point ahead of that first is let other people say it for you because everyone yep. will draw that conclusion. But don't buy into it yourselves. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Ranga is with us in Clayton. Ranga, welcome. Hi, Jared and Crash. How are you? Good, Ranga. Uh, look, I've got two things to say uh, about winning the Australia winning the third test. And I think that's got to do with the captaincy. Uh, I think Pat Cummins is a really good cricketer, but he's not the captain Australia needs. And the other thing, I think when we lost the first two tests, we came from a very mediocre playing a mediocre team in South Africa and I think the team expects things to happen and it took them to to work it out how to play in India and how to play that team. What do you think about that? Let take, Crash take this one on notice because I want to set you up with a bit of Steve Smith as well. He was right. instinctive and incisive in the way that he captained and it has opened a conversation. Um, which he was very quick to shut down himself. We'll get Crash's thoughts on the captaincy of the Australian Test team coming up next. Melbourne's weather, partly cloudy atop of 24 for City Power, supplying power to homes in the CBD and inner suburbs. My time's done, so um, uh, it, it's Paddy's team now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm able to, to stand in um, this week in, in, obviously, the circumstances with, with Paddy going home and... Um, you know, our thoughts are still with him back home as well. So, now look, um, India is a, a part of the world. I love captaining. Um, you know, it's a game of chess. Every ball means something and, um, and it's, uh, it's good fun just moving people and, and trying to make the batter think something different and, um, and just playing games with them. So, um, it's probably my favourite place in the world to captain. Um, you know, you, you think back home in Australia, generally you you're playing with a third slip or putting your third slip to cover or your square leg up or back or something like that. There's not too much that sort of goes on with it. You, you sort of just stick to the same game plan and, um, and you know, trust what you're trying to do there. But 
playing in this part of the world, you have to be really proactive. Um, every ball is in an event and that ball can dictate what happens the ball after, which is something that I really love and um, you know, you've got to be ahead of the game. So I thought I did it well this week and um, yeah, it was good fun. Probably as well as Steve Smith has ever captained, I reckon, his his body language in particular on day two and how into the fight he was, it was it was captivating. Robert Craddock, what did you what did you make of Australia's vice captain as he filled in an indoor to to ground reviews? Yeah, well it was these in outfields they set where they try and attack and defend at the same time. And I know they put a lot of time thinking of it, but every time India appears to feel, there seemed to be someone there. And I reckon that's a, a, an absolute art form, but his body language was good. He didn't dwell over setbacks. I have to say, Jared, I think vice captaincy is his place. Just coming in for the occasional captain uh, test appearance when Cummins is out, it just works really well. It's so obvious now to say, oh, I should be full-time captain, but I, I agree with him. I, I think that's the best fit. However, Jared, <laughs> I must say one other point. Um, ben Horn, uh, my cricket writing mate from News Corp, a few weeks ago wrote a column saying, oh, mate, I'm just doing a column on if there's only one fast bowler chosen, should it be Stark or Cummins? Yep. And I said, oh, mate, yeah, that's a little bit of a stretch, really, because it's going to be Cummins, because blah, 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 blah. And he said, oh, mate, Stark in the subcontinent is superb. And I had to see Stark bowl again in the subcontinent and that first over to Sharma to realise that he is very, very special in the subcontinent. And he is not going to replace Pat Cummins in the team if Cummins was available. But it is actually a, a genuine discussion point. It, it is a fair point that 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 it's it's. You have a look at all the uh, wicket takers from overseas bowlers in the subcontinent in the last thirty years. Shane Warne averaged mid forties. Matai litter in mid forties. But guys like Malcolm Marshall, Glenn McGrath, these guys they they, they did well there, and Stark can too. So. What I'm saying is that I've defended Cummins as the captain that should be there, and I think he should, but I also get... Did you think it was a fair point from Ben saying it's an actual more of an issue than what you think it is? Well, this side looked the best balanced team that Australia had put yeah. out there yeah. so far. Now, Correct. a lot of that owes to Green, but, yeah, the, yep. the left-arm reverse swing of oh, yeah. Stark in India. That said, is Australia won in Pakistan because of Cummins? And the yep. way he bowled, it was just, he was ineffective. Um, mm. Certainly in the second test, when there was a little bit for the quicks of India, is he couldn't find anything. So, yeah, from a team balance perspective, this was my view going into the test. That was the best that Australia had set up, and, and that's how it played out. But I do think yep. it is. So I get the flinch reaction on Smith, but all of that intellect is within the team. And mm. I, watching it live in Delhi, it, Smith was running the infield. Without mm. he was running the field setups, not Cummins. So they have tapped into that as captain, vice captain. And if maybe if this test does anything for that dynamic, it's to make Smith sort of even more forthright and confident that that he can guide Cummins in whatever their their private setup is. Yeah, and I know they're both from Sydney, of course, but. Steve Smith, uh, growing up at the SCG, you know, when it did turn a bit and everything, captains love setting fields for spin bowlers and they love seeing spinners do well. And I, I, I'd reckon if we sat down with a beer tonight with Steve Smith, he would say that winning that test was his most satisfying moment in cricket since Sandpaper Gate. Like it's, you know, he was being even more than a century or, or, or anything like that. 
Because when he was captain the first time, everyone says, oh, you know, he averaged terrifically as a captain, but he had many sleepless nights. The game was grinding him down. I remember Greg Chappell said once when he was selecting, he spoke to him in a, in a dressing room in Perth and he just thought, gosh, you're, you're a brilliant player, Steve. And he loves Steve Smith, but he thought, this game is eating you out. You're not into this conversation. You've got 10 things happening at once in your head and that's what captaincy can do. That's why I reckon he's best on a, a, on a spoonful, to get a spoonful occasionally when Cummins is out. It just worked well. Yeah, I thought, I agree with all of that. And this was, I thought he was better in this test match than he ever was as, as captain the yep. first time around. And I also think that's what redemption looks like. He actually didn't need to return as the Australian captain. No. Is he got it. He got this moment. He's, he's captain three test matches for three wins uh, mm. in his position as vice. He's got another one to come, obviously, later this week. But that was the one. That was the one where he got his chance to lead. He showed how much it meant to him. Is I loved watching his, just how into the contest he was yep. on that day too. And it didn't matter whether it was him or somebody else. But when he took that catch and he roared like a footy player and yep. leapt into the celebrations, you go, yeah, that's... This was a, a big part of, of his the, the second phase of his career. Yeah, and they and they prized little little gaps in 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 the psyche of the Indian players like Shubram Gill, you know, who I've always felt overrated. Their opening batsman, you know, Nathan Lyon just lured him down the wicket first over after lunch. This wild slog and out. And what about their number 11, Mohammed Siraj, run out through sheer laziness yes. in the first innings. And in the second innings, they just thought, just put it on the stumps and he'll have a wild slog and miss it. And he did, you know. They, they, the, the, the subtlety of their game plans from 1 to 11 w w was very good, I have to say. It's as, I'm trying to think of a better test performance, Jared, but I can't in the last 40 years because... As I said, just think back to the end of that first over. Lost the toss. Two of you should have been out and you didn't take them. Your captain's at home. You've lost four players from the tour. You're down desperate on an absolute minefield and you win by nine wickets. Wow. Yeah, those were the markers of doom and they, they stared them down. Mark's going to join us in a moment with the wisdom and experience of Robert Craddock after Australia's win in the third test in India. Mark is with us in Canberra. Mark, welcome aboard. Yeah, good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Crash. Um, one thing that hasn't been talked about in relation to Pat Cummins, and, and I think his, is, is his mother's illness in terms of its effect on his play. I thought during the second test he looked really distracted. He looked as if his mind was completely elsewhere now. I think we now understand why it was. Um, and so I don't think he can be judged on those first two tests. Um, he's been a brilliant captain. I wasn't happy with his selection, but he's been a brilliant captain for over a year in, in some really trying conditions too, particularly in Sri Lanka and Pakistan. And yet he had a bad couple of games, but I think we, uh, we might have an idea now why. Um, he didn't look as though his mind was on the game. I remember during the second test watching him sort of deciding where to set a field, and he looked as though he just couldn't get his head around. So maybe there's, a, there's an answer there, because um, I think he's a very good captain. Yeah, it's a good point, Mark. Uh, I remember his first bowling of the series, and he put a ball, about three or four balls on the legs of the openers, and I thought, gee, that's not Pat. And, and that wild swooshy play to the second test, 100% right. And sometimes I think we forget um, 
you know, that, that players are human does affect him. And he was terribly concerned by his mother, Mari's uh, um, you know, battle with uh, severe illness and uh, she's in palliative care at the moment. So great point, yeah. And, and, and that's why I think you've got to be uh, very mindful of, of, you know, assessing anything he did on tour. Good, good point. Mark, thank you for raising it. So I'll run you through some of the texts shortly. We'll hear a little bit from Andrew McDonald and set you up for the fourth test, which starts on Thursday. The wisdom and experience of Robert Craddock on a Monday. This is Waitley for Host Plus and Hyundai Tucson. Tomorrow's SUV in stock now. Oh, incredibly proud of the group um, to, to get validation for everything that we've put in place. Um, it's difficult to win here. I think someone's just said before, I think 4, 4% of visiting teams win here or something like that or <laughs> something incredible. Um, so incredibly proud of the group um, and they enjoyed the celebrations, which they should have. Andrew McDonald, the Australian coach, if you were prepared to hold him culpable for the sweeping disaster in Delhi, if you're blaming the coach, then you must credit the coach with what happened in the aftermath as they, they held their nerve, they held themselves together and they better executed what they were trying to do in the game. It felt, it's a significant win for McDonald, I think, Crash. Oh, it is. And, and you know what, Jared, when you, were, when you were just saying that, I thought back to the second test when Australia were effectively one for 61 in their second innings overnight. And they only, with if they'd have batted for one session with those last nine wickets and set them 160, they could be 2-1 up in the series. And I, I think, you know, this tour and the last tour, Australia had their chances. And, and next tour, I reckon they'll go there earlier. They will play a warm-up game. They'll have a, they will acclimatise. I spoke to someone who visited in Delhi and they took their children out for a swim at the team hotel and they said the smog was so thick that their children coughed for about six hours after it. And they said, don't underestimate that in the second test just muddling minds, you know, it's part of the test of India. And, and so it's uh, challenging times, but uh, yeah, it's been a great series. So Australia's booked its place in the World Test Championship. That That's still the quest for India. There, there's an awful lot to play for in this fourth test. Yeah, th there is indeed. And, and they've got to uh, win this test and uh, they should make it. So, but there's other teams for them. The latter Sri Lanka's there, South Africa. But I, I think it will be Australia, India. And so it should be. England have been wonderful, Jared, and since we last spoke last week, <laughs> that finale oh, to, yeah. to the second test in New Zealand was just outrageous, wasn't it? That was one of the greatest days cricket of all time. So oh, I just can't wait for this season's Ashes series, Jared. I think about it all the time. Uh, the, uh, the only feeling I've got is England will go pop in one test. At some stage, they're going to get bowled out for 106. You know what <laughs> yes, I mean? Yes. <laughs> and that, 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 hey, that's the challenge for Australia, to turn the English media against baseball in England, yeah. to, to, to somehow rip up the script, win the first test, bowl them out for 107 and have people say, oh, you can't slog Pat Cummins. I mean, it's happened before. Will it happen again? So this is where cricket has a woeful habit of shooting itself in the foot. That that, that series was crying out for a third and deciding oh, yeah. test match, wasn't it? And we, we play these really odd two-test series as a matter of oh, course. We, we do, we do. And, and it just – imagine if it was this week. I mean, and England are playing the way England do now at this four and a half runs and over. It would have been, would have been really special, but uh, – I was staggered how well England took it. They were, Jimmy Anderson smiled as he left the field. And that was the last ball in a 20-year career 
that he will face overseas, I'm sure, in his 20-year test career. And if he'd have just got a little bit more glove on it, it goes for four, and he lives eternally as the man who got England home in New Zealand. But, yeah, it was was a wonderful, wonderful test match. All right. One, as we finish up, I don't think... Or maybe you and I might be equally obsessed with Liv for all sorts of different (laughs) reasons than the actual golf that is played. It was hard to miss... The interaction last week, the PGA made reforms which looked suspiciously inspired by Liv and Liv was very forthright in calling them out for it. They were. (laughs) Jared, it's the best soap opera in world sport when the PGA, having turned their nose up and, and hitched up their trousers and dusted the dust off their shoulders when Liv had no cuts and small fields, they decide to have no cuts in small fields in selected tournaments to match live. So guys like Lee Westwood just bounded onto Twitter and saying, oh, what a wonderful idea. Where did you get that from? (laughs) So these previously dignified golfers who've never set a word out of place are suddenly in this uncivil war against each other. Where it all finishes, I still don't know because I cannot see them coming together anytime soon. Uh, and I don't think, much like dodgy decks are not bad for cricket, I, I, I think this uncivil war has stirred up a lot of interest in golf, particularly amongst the younger brigade who who love a good old-fashioned Barney, Jerry. <laughs> there is contact sport to it, in a way, uh, and it will make the majors throughout the year. We got that little taste well, right at the start, didn't we, with Dubai and, and what happened there. Is that, They are going to be confrontational. They're bigger than ever. That is the one thing, because all the majors have said, yes, we will come together, and that's the one time they all come together. Can you imagine it? Rory McIlroy paired with Patrick Reed, or maybe a Lee Westwood, uh, you know, paired with uh, one of the PGA guys, um, Sergio Garcia, who said he was so disappointed with the immature Rory McIlroy. Imagine if they get together. Like, it's just... At every layer, there's theatre drama and the smallest indiscretion, like Scott Scheffler walking on Cam Smith's line deliberately, suddenly becomes global news. Bring it on. I can't wait, Jerry. Yes. All right. Thought bubble to finish. Uh, Best performance by a red-headed Englishman at the MCG. Oh, gee. Uh, Did Ben Stokes do much there? Did Paul Collingwood do much there? Because it's now Ed Sheeran. Oh, <laughs> you, you, you liked him? Oh, yeah. it was outstanding, Crash. It was a reminder of the grandeur of the MCG. I've never seen a better concert there. Really? Uh, it was brilliantly staged and Ed's got a lovely way around him. So whatever it was previously, the best performance by a red-headed Englishman at the MCG, it's now been usurped. <laughs> what was your favourite song, Jerry? Which is the one that got the uh, got the hips moving and the, 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 the fingers clicking? Oh, I like Castle on the Hill. But yep. all the all the girls had different choices, and we took our little bloke to his first concert, and he absolutely loved it. Yeah, and I think Ed Sheeran was Ed Sheeran was one of the go- you know as you know great mates with Warney, and uh, you know the rock stars just loved Warney, didn't they? As we we remember him this week a week after his passing, and uh, you know the many great uh, accolades Warney got was when Elton John said to him, "If there's anyone, I, I checked that with Warney. I said, is it true that Elton John said?" There's anyone in the world I'd rather be it be you. And he said, that's correct, and so did Mick Jagger. And I thought, gee, that's not a bad double. That's <laughs> not, not a bad, bad TAB double, mate. <laughs> Great to chat on a Monday crash. Good on you. Let's see where next Monday takes us with this, uh, with this fourth test. Can't wait, Jared. See ya. Bye.
Robert Craddock. So Thursday night, Friday night with the two concerts at the G, as we were there Friday night, so what are they saying, 110,000. The previous, it's a while since I'd been to a concert at the MCG, and the problem previously was I felt the sound it would reverberate around. That's all been ironed out, and if you've seen pre-match entertainments in in recent years, you will know that. But I've never seen the G better set up for a concert than that. Uh, huge number of people looked extraordinary. Played in the round. There was a lot going on. You had good visibility of, of Ed Sheeran the whole way through. It was a reminder of how lucky we are to have the MCG in this town. And then I also thought for those who are trying to plot what the future of it looks like, it's, it's the key moment is they want it to be the grandeur of the past with all the mod cons of stadium technology around the world. And I think that's the right aspiration because a concert like that has a power for the ground beyond the sporting events and the like to have the 110,000 people on the back of 108,000 the previous night. I'm sure there are minds that are whirring away as to what our temple down the road can be in the future. And I think that's a big part of it as well as the sporting events that are staged there.